be seated. We're in a series of teachings about what God has to say about our emotions. And today we come to the emotion that no one wants to experience, but everyone inevitably does, and that is grief. I don't think it's an accident that God put it on my heart to talk about grief today some time ago. The events of the past week, just like the past two years, have highlighted a reality that we try not to think about, and that is that life is hard. Over the last couple of years, more than one million deaths from COVID in our country. There's the ongoing violence of war and genocide around the world. There is the horrific violence that we witnessed this week in Uvalde, Texas, and the list could go on and on. But as Christ followers, the truth is we should not be surprised. The Bible teaches that we live in a world created good by God, but broken now by sin. And sin has damaged, and sin has brought death to everything. And that leads to loss, and loss causes grief. You see, grief is just part of life in a fallen creation because of sin. Now, I don't know the circumstances of the lives that are in this room today, but I do know that there is grief present here today. Within the last year, some of us have lost loved ones. Some of us have lost our marriages. Some of us have lost our health or a job or an important relationship. And grief comes in many different shapes and sizes. What we're asking today is, how can we experience this emotion of grief in a good and a healthy way? How can we have good grief? Grief that, that doesn't destroy us, grief that doesn't debilitate us, grief that doesn't trap us and keep us stuck for the rest of our lives. And we're gonna be talking about that and at the end of our time together, we are as a church family gonna take some moments to, to pray together, to take our grief before God uh, to grieve as the word of God instructs us to do. And we're gonna be looking at a number of different scriptures today, uh, but I wanna begin by, by reading two important verses. The first one is from Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, and he makes a very surprising statement probably when you first read it. It's Matthew 5, 4. Jesus says, blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. So what is Jesus saying? I mean, how can blessing and mourning or grieving be connected in any way? I mean, it looks like he's telling us that, that God blesses those who grieve by giving them comfort. In 1 Thessalonians, the apostle Paul writes these words, chapter four, verse 13, brothers and sisters, we do not want you to be uninformed about those who sleep in death so that you do not grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope. Now we're gonna dig deeper into this verse later, but it looks like Paul is telling Christ's followers that we do not have to grieve like the world around us grieve, that we can grieve with hope. Is this true? Can we grieve and still have hope? Can we, can we experience God's blessing even in our mourning, God's comfort even in our grief. 
Jesus tells us we can. God's word tells us we can. So let's find out together. Before we we look at the specific truths uh, about how to experience grief in a good and healthy way, I want to give you uh, two important kind of general truths about grief. I'd like you to write them down and kind of think about them. And the first one is this. Grief is a normal part of life. This is true because sin has defaced God's good creation, and that means there will be loss. And when there's loss, there's always going to be grief. And I'm bringing this up because some of us, probably some of you here, you know who you are, I hope. Some of us think that following Jesus means that we should be happy all the time. But the Bible actually teaches that grief is a part of life, and it's normal. Ecclesiastes 3, verses 1 and verses 4 say, There is a time for everything and a season for every activity under heaven, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance. So so God tells us that weeping and and mourning are, are normal parts of life. Why? Because in this world we have loss. We have pain and suffering and death. And there are some of you probably here today and you haven't made it to this place yet. And if you haven't, you need to hear the word of the Lord today and you need to accept in its fullness that grief is a normal part of life. And that means your life. There is a time for grief. And God can bless you even in your grief. And some of you are missing out on part of God's blessing because you won't enter into real grief. Now grief is more than just the loss of a loved one, at its roots, grief is simply about loss. So anytime you have a loss, there will be grief. And we experience loss all the time. You can lose your job, and you can lose money, sometimes maybe a little, sometimes maybe a lot. You can lose your health. You can lose a relationship. You can lose a dream. And so much more. And anytime we suffer loss, God tells us that grief is an appropriate response. And we should not deny it. We should face it. We shouldn't pretend that it's not there. We should actually enter into grief. Because there is a time for every activity under heaven. The Bible actually tells us this many, many times that we should mourn and we should grieve. Among other things, I should mourn my losses, which is when bad things happen to me. I should also mourn my disappointments, which is when good things don't happen to me. God's word tells me that I should mourn my sins. I should grieve over my sins. That I should mourn the the sufferings in this world. I, I shouldn't stay detached and indifferent to all the pain and evil around us. God's word says that I should grieve for my friends who don't know Jesus. Do you know that the most common psalm in in the Bible, the most common kind of psalm is is called a lament psalm. There's more lament psalms than any other type in the whole book of Psalms. And we see as we read the psalms over and over again, the authors are are, are lamenting. They're, They're grieving their losses. The Bible tells us to mourn, to grieve. Grief is normal. And then secondly, grief is essential to my health. It is essential to my physical health. 
my emotional health, my mental health, and yes, even my spiritual health. In fact, if you never grieve about anything, it it means one of three things. Either you are out of touch with reality, which is not a good thing, because the reality is the world is filled with loss. Or second, you're out of touch with your own emotions. You're just living in denial. Or third, it means you don't love. Because it is loving someone or something that makes loss painful. Grief is a a painful emotion, but it's actually a healthy emotion. It's actually a helpful emotion. It is actually a gift that God gives us to help us through life's transitions. Just think about this. There is no growth in your life without change. Would you agree with that? No growth in your life without change. And there is no change without loss. You you lose something old in order to gain something new. And there is no loss without pain. And there is no pain without grief. So you you cannot experience life in a healthy way without grief. And, And that means we need to learn how to experience and how to express the grief that we have in a way that God intends us to and wants us to. See, in any time that we, that we deny our grief, like we, we block it out, we, we pretend it's not there, we cover it up, that, that's not healthy. See, God wants you to share your grief with him, and God also wants you to share your grief with, with friends because it is in sharing our grief with others that we find true healing. Someone once uh, said, if I don't let it out, I'll act it out. How many of you realized when I said that that I just described your life, your house, your family? Uh, if I don't let it out, I'm gonna act it out. That means, in this case, if I don't let my grief out in healthy ways, I'm gonna act it out in unhealthy ways. And there are some of us here, and here's the reality. As children, many years ago, some of us were hurt. Maybe your parents divorced. Maybe your dad just left. Maybe you were abused. Maybe in your life there was a loss of some kind and that loss caused you pain and and maybe because you were just a child you didn't know how to grieve that loss and no one showed you how to grieve that loss. Maybe your parents didn't know how to do that and the way they showed you was not a, a good way and what you ended up doing was you just denied it and you just suppressed it. You just covered that loss and you just moved on and you have never, never grieved that loss. Some of you need today to return to that loss and truly grieve. Why? Well, when we don't grieve our losses, we we tend to get stuck at that place emotionally. And you know, there there are quite a few middle-aged people. Maybe you know some of them. Maybe you're sitting next to one and they've lived for decades, but they're emotionally in certain places of their life. They're like junior higher still. They're kind of stuck. And see, we pretend the grief isn't there, but it is, and it, and it leaks out, and we, we just live our lives kind of reacting, and we're reacting to something in the past, and we're not even really thinking about it. Oftentimes, we don't even really know what we're doing, but the pain is still there, and we take it out on the people that are in our lives today, and everyone's confused. No one knows why this is happening. Someone also said, when I swallow my grief... My body keeps score. 
And sometimes that happens physically. You have health problems. Maybe it's emotional issues. You see, if I don't talk it out, I take it out, and I do that on myself, I do that on other people. Here's the thing. We cannot control the losses of of life, but we can choose to grieve. We can choose to grieve in, in a healthy way like the word of God teaches us. Some of you right now, I I know what you're thinking. Some of you right now are thinking, I don't like feeling those bad emotions. They're they're very uncomfortable. I I just don't like it. Well, of course you don't like it, but not everything that's healthy feels good. I offer kale as an example. (laughs) Grief is essential to my health. So how can we have grief that, that's healthy, grief that, that's good? You know, we, we talk a lot about getting over grief. Well, here's the truth. You don't get over grief, and you don't go around grief. You have to go through grief. It's the only way. And if you are here today and the reality is you're too frightened to express emotion and you are choosing not to go through it, you will, you will get stuck. And it will be unhealthy and it will be toxic, and it will do damage to you and to the people around you. So how do we get unstuck? How can grief be good? I wanna show you this morning six truths from God's word. Here's the first one. You can write this down wherever you're taking notes, maybe in the app, and it's this. God is always near in our grief. He's always near. Here's one of my favorite verses in all the Bible. Psalm 34, 18 says, the Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. Now, in the middle of grief, we don't feel that, right? We usually feel like God is very far away, but God says, I have never been closer. If you don't learn anything else from this entire series, I hope that you have learned and are learning and will continue to learn that what you feel and what is real are not the same thing so many times. Not everything you feel is real and and you don't feel everything that is real and God says, I am near to you when you're grieving, whether you feel it or not. And that means he knows your grief and that means he cares about your grief Hebrews 13, five, God has said, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. And in the original Greek text, I looked it up this week, never means never. Never. It doesn't matter how life-shattering your grief is, God will never leave. God is always near. 2 Corinthians 6.10 says, our hearts ache, but we always have joy. And how is that possible? Well, you can know joy in heartache, in grief, because God is near, because God is with you, because God never leaves. But I need to point out that this can only be a reality for you if you know Jesus Christ. If you have entered into a relationship with God the Father through God the Son, Jesus Christ, you have repented of your sins, you have placed trust in him, Jesus, his death on the cross to give you forgiveness of your sins, to to give you life eternal. It is then in relationship with God through Jesus that God is always near, that you can know this hope that God will never leave you, that God will never forsake you, that you are never truly on your own. See, God is always near in grief. 
And grief can be good and healthy when we, when we keep that in mind, when we remember that. And that leads to the second thing that kind of flows right out of the first thing. It's this, God always grieves with us. Why do we grieve? Well, the Bible's answer is that we are made in God's image. The reason we have emotions ultimately is because God has emotions. And if you read the Bible and pay attention, you're gonna see this. The Bible tells us God grieves, that God weeps. When God sees sin, he, he weeps. When God sees people killing each other, he weeps. When God sees abuse and hate and injustice and the violence of war destroying the people that he created, when God sees the good planet he created damaged, defaced by people living in it through their sin, God weeps, God grieves. The Bible says God weeps with us that he is not far away from us, distant and, and uncaring, detached from all of our problems. He enters into our suffering with us and he does this supremely in his son because God sent his son into this world to become one of us, to live the life we live, to experience everything we experience. Uh, Isaiah 53, three is a prophecy about Jesus, the Messiah. Notice what it says. It says, he was despised and rejected by men, a man of what? Sorrows and acquainted with what? Grief. Jesus knew suffering firsthand, and that means Jesus understands your grief. When you're in pain, when your heart is breaking, Jesus understands. He has experienced everything we experience except for sin, and that means he gets our grief. We see a beautiful example of this in John chapter 11. Maybe you know the story. Jesus had some friends. There was a brother named Lazarus who had two sisters named Mary and Martha. And Jesus gets word that his friend Lazarus is sick. And his friend Lazarus dies. And Jesus comes to visit Mary and Martha, the grieving sisters. And this is what it says beginning in verse 33. It says, Jesus saw Mary weeping and he saw how the people who were with her were weeping also. His heart was touched and he was deeply moved. Verse 35 says, Jesus wept. Verse 36 says, see how much he loved him, the people said. You might, if you're marking in your Bible, want to underline or circle that word love. Did you, did you know that grief is an evidence of love? The, the more you love someone or something that you lose, the more you're gonna grieve that loss. And that's why the loss of a spouse or a child is the severest form of grief. We, we don't grieve the loss of something or someone we, we don't love. And, and people who are unloving, they don't grieve that much because they don't have love. We only grieve about what we love. And if we don't love, we just don't care. So we don't grieve. Because God loves infinitely. He cares infinitely. He cares about everything in our lives. He, he grieves with us. That's what Jesus was doing when he became a man. He was entering into everything we experience. So he understands our grief. And that means for you today, the pain you feel because someone you love deeply, they're now gone. God feels it. The pain that you feel because your spouse abandoned you, God feels it. The pain you feel because a parent left you, God feels it. 
the pain you, you feel in that rejection or humiliation. God feels that he is with you. He, he grieves with you. I want you to notice something else in this, in this text. In verse 33, maybe you saw it said Jesus was deeply moved. And we, we actually see the same Greek word again in verse 38 where it says Jesus once more deeply moved came to the tomb. Now there's one word in Greek that's used to trans, it's translated by these two words in English, deeply moved. And it's actually a word that's kind of difficult to translate. And most English translations actually kind of, uh, they, they kind of tone it down. They kind of soften it. It, it literally uh, refers to a horse that snorts, that, that snorts. And the metaphorical idea that it carries is this, is this concept of indignation or anger or even, even outrage. I actually think the New Living Translation gets it right. It says, when Jesus saw her weeping and saw the other people wailing with her, a deep anger welled up within him and he was deeply troubled. Then in verse 38, it says, Jesus was still angry as he arrived at the tomb. Why is Jesus angry? Well, he's angry at the sin the brokenness, the sickness, the, the death in this fallen world that is so damaging to the creation that he loves so much. He, in other words, he grieves with those who, who love. He enters into our pain. He's angry at what we suffer. God always grieves with us. I want you to notice also the fact that um, Jesus cried here tells us something very important, and it's simply this. It's okay to cry. And um, there's some people in here that really need to hear this. They're called men. Um, men are not really good at grief, typically. Uh, negative emotions like grief, they make us uncomfortable, and we just don't like when we feel those things, so we don't like when we feel grief. We don't like it when other people feel grief. We, we, we tend to think it's a sign of weakness, but I wanna tell you today, please look at this, think about it. Jesus is the strongest man who ever lived. And he wept. Sadness isn't weakness. Expressing honest emotion is actually a sign of strength, not of weakness. It is weak men who are afraid of tears. And so we don't need to be afraid to cry or to grieve. Can I encourage like all of us, men and women alike, to stop apologizing when we cry? We all kind of tend to do that instinctively because everybody's uncomfortable, but we don't need to. Grief, as we saw earlier, is a normal part of life and it's good for us to express it and whenever we express it, we can know that God is grieving with us. So we don't need to apologize. Isaiah 61, verses two and three is another prophecy of the Messiah to come. And it's talking about how God sent his son Jesus to comfort us. Here's what it says. He has sent me, that's Messiah, to comfort all who mourn, to give to those who mourn in Zion joy and gladness instead of grief, a song of praise instead of sorrow. So if you're tracking with this, Maybe you're beginning to see how grief can be good. God draws near to us in our grief, that's good. God grieves with us in our grief, that's really good too. And so when we grieve the way God has called us to grieve, what is actually happening, do you hear it? We're getting closer to God, is that a good thing? 
And so grief is good. But grief also can draw us closer to other people. And that's what we see with the third truth I want you to to notice. God calls us to grieve in community. You were never designed, created to grieve by yourself. You weren't created to live life by yourself. God created you for community, and, and we never need community more than when we grieve. There's an old Swedish proverb that says, shared joy is a double joy. Shared sorrow is half a sorrow. And the Bible just makes it clear that when you try to bear your sorrows all by yourself, you are carrying a load that God never intended for you to carry. You were not meant to bear grief on your own. And part of what this means, listen, is when you suffer loss and when you decide you're not gonna tell anyone about it, listen to me, you are violating one of the principles of God's word. Do you understand? God says we're meant to grieve in community. This is one of the many important reasons why we should be in a life group because healing comes in community. We are better together. We need each other you know, the letter that Paul wrote to the Romans is the, the greatest expression of the gospel that we have. And there's 16 chapters in that letter. And if you know the structure of the letter in Romans 1 through 11, Paul, he, he lays out the gospel in such detail like he does nowhere else. And then in Romans 12 through 16, the rest of the book, Paul writes about how Christ followers should live that gospel out. I want you to listen to just some verses from chapter 12, verses five and 10 and 15. Paul says, in Christ, we who are many form one body and each member belongs to all the others. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn. And what I want you to see right here is these are commands. We belong to one another, so therefore we must be devoted to one another. And one of the things that that means is what we see in verse 15. God commands you to rejoice with people who are rejoicing. Everybody like to do that? Who likes to rejoice with people who are rejoicing? God also commands you to mourn with people who are mourning. Who votes for somebody else to do that? We, we don't like that one, but it's a command just like the first part of that verse. Here's what I wanna ask you. Are, are you allowing someone else to obey God by letting them into your grief? By letting them grieve with you? Are you obeying God by joining someone else in their grief. God calls us to grieve in community. And if you just try to do it by yourself, I'm telling you, it will not be good grief. It will not be healthy grief. We need each other. First Thessalonians 5.11 says, comfort each other and give each other strength. Now, I don't know, but maybe right now some of you are thinking, well, you know, Pastor Mike, hey, I've seen this kind of happen. People try to do this, and sometimes yet it doesn't always work out so well. And you're right. It doesn't always work out so well. Sometimes some of us, we say some things to people in grief that don't help. 
You ever had that happen? Ever done that yourself? Can I, can I give you two things you should never do for someone who's in grief? Here's the first one. Never minimize someone's grief. And the reality is probably most all of us have done this. I know I have. And a lot of times we, we do this because we're trying to be helpful, but it never is. Here's a phrase, just an example that you should, you should never use with someone who's grieving. Are you ready? Two words. Never say, at least. True story, a neighbor was trying to help a mom who had lost a child through drowning. And this neighbor meant well, but they said, at least you're young enough to have another child. Now, mom didn't want another child. She wanted her child back. So never say at least. What you're doing is you're, you're trying to minimize someone's pain by just pointing out something that you think is good. And I just want you to hear this. It is not your place to do that. See, many of you are fixers. How many of you are willing to admit, I'm a fixer? How many of you want to point out the person who's a fixer that's close to you right now? We, we want to fix people, especially when we see their, their grief. But I want to tell you again, will you listen to me? It is not your job. It is God's job. And God can do that in his timing. And he's wise enough and he's good enough and he's loving enough to do it in the right way. And you are not. It's not your job. See, what we need to do is just offer the ministry of presence, just to be there, just to come and be with someone who's grieving. And you don't have to say anything. In fact, some of you, this is good news for you. Some of you, you don't want to get around people that are grieving because you will, you'll say to yourself, I don't know what to say. Good news. You don't need to say anything. In fact, it would be a good idea if you didn't say anything. Some of you who think you should say things, it would be a really good idea if you don't say anything. And all God's people said? We, we say too much, and it's really more about us than it is about them. Just be very careful about offering your counsel or your supposedly profound wisdom. Just trust God. Never minimize someone's grief. Second, never rush someone's grief. Grief takes time. And it is not, again, it's not your place to try to tell someone they should be moving on. A lot of times we do this, why? Because we want to move on. But can I remind you, it is their grief. It is not your grief. And each person's grief is unique. Stop trying to decide how long someone should be in grief. It's not your job. It's God's job to work in that person's life. Uh, each person's grief is unique, kind of like we all have unique fingerprints. And, and again, our job is to be there for people, to care for people, to just help in any way that we can. So we need to grieve in community and do that in a good and a healthy way. Number four, grief can be good because God turns our grief into growth. God uses grief to help us grow. And there are so many ways. I want to just mention three. The first one is God uses pain to wake us up. 
Proverbs 20, 30 says, sometimes it takes a painful experience to make us change our ways. Anybody here agree with that verse? Someone once observed, we rarely change when we see the light. We change when we feel the heat. And sometimes God uses grief to help us grow by just waking us up, getting our attention. Second, God uh, brings grief, good out of bad through grief. Romans 8, 28 says, and we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. And we all know, we don't like it, but we know it's true that pain and suffering offer us opportunities to grow that are unique, that God can do things in our life through pain that almost never happen in any other way. And so the question is, will you let God work through your grief? You know, you can't decide or control what kind of grief enters your life, but you can decide, you can choose whether or not you're gonna let God work and bring good out of the bad to help you grow. And then third, God prepares us for eternity through our grief. 2 Corinthians 4, verses 17 and 18 say, uh, these little troubles are getting us ready for an eternal glory that will make all our troubles seem like nothing. Things that are seen don't last forever, but things that are not seen are eternal. This is why we keep our minds on the things that cannot be seen. See, when we we trust that God has a purpose in our pain, that he has goals for our grief, then that, that just makes all the difference in the world. See, when we know, when we know that, that God is working to bring about something beyond this world, something that is far greater than we could imagine, that even in our pain, we can have hope, we, we can grieve with hope because we know that God is doing something greater and bigger and better. You know, you can handle an enormous amount of pain when you believe it has a good purpose. And maybe the best example I can think about that as moms who are in labor how many of you dads are so very grateful today that you're a dad and not a mom? Moms endure incredible pain as they give birth to a child. Why can they do that? Why can they go through that? Because they know there's something far greater beyond the pain, beyond the grief. And when we don't see the purpose, that's when it becomes so easy to give in to despair especially when the grief and the pain are so unrelenting, when, when the suffering seems like it will never stop, like life is for some of you. And maybe today you need to hear again the hope that God gives us even in our grief, that God is at work, that God is doing something in our lives that will make us eternally different. The fifth thing is that God uses our grief to comfort others. And this is one of the things that God is doing in us. He, he, he takes us through grief to help others. Second Corinthians chapter one, verse four says, he comforts us when we are in trouble so that we can share this same comfort with others in trouble. So God wants to use our grief to help others. And as he comforts us, what he's doing is showing us how we can give that same kind of comfort from him to other people. I don't know who said it, but it's really good. God never wastes a hurt. He never does, and he doesn't want you to waste your grief. But here's the thing, if you're not willing to let God work through your grief to help other people, you may do precisely that. 
Think about the griefs that you've had in your life. And we all know this is true. I mean, who can comfort someone who has lost a spouse better than someone else who's also lost a spouse? Who can help a mom with a special needs child better than another mom with a special needs child? Who can walk alongside someone struggling with addiction or someone walking through a divorce or, or someone recovering from abuse? Who can do that better than someone who has gone through and experienced those pains? We can receive God's comfort and grieve with God's hope as we look beyond the pain and we just let God work in us to use that pain to help other people. And that is what God wants to do in our lives. Would you ask yourself right now, what pain have I gone through? What grief have I experienced in my life that God wants to use to help someone else? See, that, this is part of how we can grieve with hope. You know, we, we tend to think that uh, the world is impressed with our prosperity, but the world isn't. The world, the world is impressed more with how we handle adversity. Anyone, I mean, anyone can be okay when life is always going up and always to the right. It's only the people who walk with God and receive his comfort that can, can live with joy and with hope even in their grief because this world is broken. There's so much pain and loss and suffering. That is why we grieve and that is the truth. Everyone grieves and one of the things that means is that everyone in this room is here in one of two places every day and it's this, either you need comfort or you need to comfort others. So again, I wanna ask you, where are you today? Which one of those are you? Where is your life today? And reality is sometimes God wants us to do both at the same time. Have you ever noticed that? Henry Nouwen calls that being a, a wounded healer. And maybe the word for some of you today is that you're like waiting until you get farther along and you're better. And for some of you, that means until I'm completely healed before I can help other people. But if that's the case, you're gonna be waiting a really long time because you're never, never going to be fully healed of everything in your life until you get to heaven. And actually, that's the final way we receive God's comfort and grieve with hope. It's God's ultimate answer to grief. God's ultimate answer to grief is the hope of heaven. This is the ultimate reason that we can be comforted with all the horrific pain and the unending suffering that goes on in this world. We have the hope of heaven. You know, this, this life on this planet, we, we get 80, maybe 90 years. But we can have hope because that's not all there is. I mean, just, just think about it. Whatever, whatever time we, we get here, even if you make it past 100, God bless you. I mean, it's just so very small compared to eternity, and it is eternity that gives us hope. I mean, if, if there was no hope of heaven, we should all just give in to despair. There's just too much evil in this world, too many wars, too many school shootings, too many children being abused, too much injustice, so much evil. But in 1 Thessalonians 4.13, Paul says, brothers and sisters, we do not want you to be uninformed about those who sleep in death so that, everybody say so that, so that 
you do not grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope. Because we have the hope of heaven, God's ultimate answer to grief, we can grieve with hope. And the world can't. The world grieves without hope. You know, I've told you before a number of times, I've been a pastor now for around 35 years, and over the the years of my ministry, I have officiated over 100 different funerals. I've stood at bedsides. I've watched in hospital rooms as people breathe their last breaths. And I have seen terror and despair in the faces of people and families where they don't have the hope of heaven. A test of your faith. The test of your worldview, your belief system. It is not how you handle life's successes. The test of your worldview, your faith, your beliefs are more shown in how you handle life's funerals, life's griefs. See, the Bible says we have a hope, and so we grieve, but we grieve with hope. Have you ever asked yourself, maybe at a funeral, and the person who's died is a Christ follower. Have you ever thought to yourself, why are we grieving? I mean, you think about it. That, that person who's died and we're at their service, they are with Jesus. There is no more pain. There is no more grief for them. They are in the place that they were created for and they will be there forever. They're completely safe. They are, they are where we will be one day if we know the Lord. We're gonna be re- reunited. So why do we grieve? We don't grieve for them at a funeral. We're, we're grieving us because we miss them and our grief is real and we suffer, we're in pain, but we can still have hope. We can still grieve with hope. And what is our hope? Well, Revelation 21.4 says this. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. For the old order of things has passed away. Is anybody here looking forward to that day? We can have hope because we know that one day God is going to settle all scores. One day God is going to right every wrong. As C.S. Lewis wrote in one of his books, one day all the sad things will come untrue. And this is why we can grieve with hope because our grief is not the final word. God will have the final word over all sickness and sin and evil and suffering and death. He will comfort all who mourn. They will be blessed. And when we know that and when we believe that today in all the brokenness and all the pain of this world, we can grieve and grieve honestly and openly. We can grieve knowing that our God is near and that our God is grieving with us. We can grieve with other people in community Letting God in on our grief, letting other people in on our grief, letting God use our grief to make us more like Jesus so that we can bless other people and we can do all those things with hope and we're gonna be blessed and we're gonna be comforted. Blessed are those who mourn for they will be comforted. This is the word of the Lord and all God's people say, Amen.
we're going to take some time together now before we sing again and we worship through the receiving of our tithes and offerings. And, and I, I want this to be a time where you can grieve, where you can lift your laments to the Lord, where you can take your grief to God, where you can just let him in, let him grieve with you. And maybe if you're not in a place today, then what God is calling you to do is to pray for others who are in that place of grief. I wanna encourage you now, if you would just bow, bow your heads and kind of get yourself ready to focus in on God, maybe close your eyes, put away the distractions that are maybe going on around you. We're gonna have some silence, moments of silence. I'm gonna lead us in prayer as we pray through some things and then we're gonna sing and we're gonna receive our offering. So let's go before the Lord today and let's just start by being still. Let's begin by, by praying uh, for the families in Uvalde. Oh God, there are days when, when we're at a loss for words and this is like one of those days. And so we, we, we turn to you and bring our grief, we bring our outrage, our anger. May your Holy Spirit intercede on our behalf, intercede for us with groans that words cannot express in, in the face of our grief. And Lord, for the evil that has happened this week in Uvalde, we, we join our voices with the voices of your people around the world, your people for 2,000 and more years that are crying out, how long, oh Lord, how, how long must we wait in this world of violence? How, how long must we, we bear the weight of trauma? How, how long must we fear for our children's safety. How long must parents bury children? Oh God, may your kingdom come. Your, your kingdom where violence will be no more. A safe kingdom where weapons will be flattened into plows to produce food for feasting. Lord, we yearn for that day to come. And that day, Lord, cannot come soon enough. Lord, we, we pray for those parents who are burying their children this week. We, we pray for teachers whose lives are at risk. Lord, we weep with your weeping children. We just need your presence more than ever. Lord, we also, we also pray for the grief that's in this room. Lord, we pray for those who've suffer, suffered the loss of a loved one, maybe in the past two years, uh, maybe, maybe more recently. Lord, may they know that, that you are near to them in your, their brokenheartedness. May you bring people around them who could bring comfort. And Lord, for those who today may be starting to confront some long-buried grief, maybe for wounds they've denied or suppressed. May you pour out your comfort on them, Lord. May you give them wisdom as they begin to release the tears that have been bottled up. 
Lord, lead them to wise counselors who can help them move, move forward. Lord, surround them with your kindness. And Lord, for whatever griefs any of us may be dealing with, however large or small, we, we just bring them to you now, Lord. We offer them before you and ask you to take them. We, we ask you, Lord, to strengthen us to, to grieve with hope because we know you are in control of all things. Lord, bless us with your comfort, even in our grieving. You promise us that through, that though, though uh, weeping may remain for a night, rejoicing comes in the morning. So Lord, comfort us, encourage us, strengthen us, show us your favor, Lord. Lord, we ask you to, to just give us Jesus. Jesus, the man of sorrows, well acquainted with grief. Jesus, our Lord, our Savior, and our peace. Lord, we lift all our petitions to you and we pray them in the name of Jesus. And all God's people said. We're going to...